0: You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of splatterpictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Knife here with Always.
1: Typical Lydia.
0: (laughs) Today's show, we're going to be doing the 2019 Stephen King. Not yet a classic because I don't know how many people are watching it, but it's on Netflix. In the Tall Grass.
1: Ooh, that gives me chills just thinking about the tall grass and how scary it is.
0: Last time we were talking about this towards the end of the last episode, for some reason, I kept calling it corn because that's how I was remembering it. It is just grass. However, it's so thick at the bottom, it just looked like corn stalks to me. But I was like, oh, wait, it's not corn.
1: (laughs) I mean, the closest thing we have to that here is the erosion control grass that they plant in between the highways. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, there are fields. There's more fields of corn in Ottawa and flax and hemp. There's a lot of that as far as big fields. But even at the experimental farm, we don't have anything quite like the vast fields of grass or wheat. When I was a kid, there was huge fields behind my grandmother's house. And when they describe it and when they show the grass in this particular film uh seeing the wind blow through it it can look like someone's running through it. it is a very creepy thing so whether it's corn or grass you have the idea of seven to eight foot tall grassy plants that you could you could get lost in even outside of the stephen king joe hill universe
0: yes um did you know that this film was directed by the same guy that did the cube
1: Oh, no, I did not know. And that explains a lot.
0: Doesn't it, though? Doesn't it, though? When I did a little bit of research while I was watching this film, because that's an awful habit of mine. I I fucking have to know, oh, who's this guy and who's that guy? Uh, But I was like, who directed this fucking thing? Because for some reason I was like, wait, was it the same director from 1922? But it's not. Um, It's uh, was it. Vincent or Vinant.
1: Vincenzo Natali.
0: Yeah. Um he who the guy who in nineteen ninety seven wrote and directed a very iconic, claustrophobic, lost in a maze group of people turning on each other science fiction horror movie called The Cube. A film that I'm genuinely surprised we've never done.
1: We'll have to do a cube because I liked it. I like the other ones. I like the platform, which is not like the same, but it's the same sort of idea. Mm-hmm. I really, yeah, we ought to do that film. It's also Canadian, so that helps, right? So It really does. Um, the original story is in, it appeared in Esquire magazine years ago, and it is a joint effort between uh, Joe Hill, mm-hmm. which I want to call Joe King, just because it's a funny name when you say Joe King like that. <laughs> just joking um (laughs) joe hill and stephen king wrote this and it appears in joe hill's collection full throttle and the story is slightly different there isn't the time loop aspect although there is the lost in a maze and that the space shifts within the grass so that you could walk 10 feet in and look back and all of a sudden be 100 yards in so Mm -hmm. that aspect is there but i can see the Natali influence in that sort of time looping manner, lost in a maze sort of thing. I can see how he read this and wanted to make what we ended up with on the Netflix movie.
0: Yes. And I remember while I was watching it, I I didn't want to spoil myself on the plot too much. I knew that it was a fairly simple idea. Uh, you go into a, a field of grass and you can't get out But this film really had me guessing. There were some things where you know just from horror movie tropes, like, you know, Ed Warren shows up, and all of a sudden you're like, that's the bad guy. That's the fucking dude that they're going to have to look out for. Um, And I know that man has a name, but let's be real. (laughs) He's been in a lot of Conjuring movies.
1: Yeah, it's true. Very true. Patrick Wilson. And I almost want to, like one on one hand he's the bad guy but you also have to trust him right so they cast him very well in that you want to trust him at first yeah and mm, he's just so skeevy before he gets scary he's a real estate agent and i mean sorry about all the real estate agents that might be listening right now but we can't trust you as far as we can throw you we gotta double check everything (laughs) you say ourselves
0: it's really true. Um, before all that, before we get too deep into the film, I actually wanted to talk about something very briefly. We normally don't touch on news, horror news or anything like that, because it just kind of fossilizes the show. But this is kind of a different story because it's not speculation on a movie that might be coming out or a new development in something uh, that might be interesting to the horror community. Uh, like the settling of the Friday the 13th shit. But um, my mother, who, friend of the show, wanted me to look or to discuss or us to discuss this article that had been making circulation. There was an article similar to it the year before, which I had actually forgotten about, where it was a informal scientific study so scientific study, in air quotes, this is definitely one of those things where you're like, oh, it's a scientific study. You got to remember that informal study means there was no real, like, double-blind test. Like, like information is... They, they did a thing, and based on a very narrow structure of information, they got their results. And last year, they had said this was by this group out of the UK called the Broadband Company, or something like that, and... They did a study in which they were trying to determine what the most frightening horror movies were last year. Sinister got the top spot. And this year, the new film, Host, which was all the rage last year, or maybe even early this year. I think it was, was it early this year or last year.
1: I think it was early this year.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Or no, wait, come to think of it, it was last year because all of this shit was new.
0: Yes, that's true. And the, the idea of like, what if there was a evil Zoom call? Uh, and and that would have seemed It sounds quite... funny when
1: you say it. I want to watch the movie you would direct about that.
0: <laughs> Someone in the background, this could have been an email.
1: Can you hear me? Can you hear me? But can you see me? You can see me, but you can't hear me. You can't yeah. see me now. You can't see me or hear me. Am I even here?
0: Sorry, just ignore my dog. It's going to be okay. Uh, um, yeah, and then I'm like, you know, wearing a suit and tie, but no pants. So my whole yeah. dick is hanging out. And the camera's just a little too low where you know that I'm not wearing pants, but you can't really see anything. And it's too awkward to say anything.
1: I could see why that movie would be the top of all horror movies of all time, right?
0: Particularly with a certain crowd, right? There's, there's definitely a whole... There's people like me who... I'm a fucking wage slave, blue collar worker, where I'm just like, I don't get it. I don't know why. Like, why don't they all just get off the call? Whereas like, um, and then there's people who are like, work for the government, work for the city of Ottawa, work for these types of companies, where it's like, "Oh, oh my goodness, oh my God. Oh yeah, I totally get that. Oh my God, it's just like my life. And so these are the types of people where I'm just like, all right. Also, the type of people that would find sinister very scary.
1: <laughs> as a person who spends 90% of her waking hours on fucking Zoom calls, it seems, and not so much now that I'm not teaching. When I was teaching, it was a lot. And um, we do have some weekly chit chats here and there with <clears throat> authors and stuff. I do a lot of interviews on Zoom mm-hmm. and stuff. I spend n- meetings in teams as I work for the government. It's still not reflective of my life whatsoever because the entertainment aspect or the hangout aspect of Zoom or Zoom type calls, any sort of video calling platform like the one me and Wes are using right now mm-hmm. is not open to any sort of investment emotionally because I like hanging on to my inv- emotional investment from when I get to hang out with Wes. And it's that there's a certain demographic of people that do get emotionally invested on things like Twitter and hanging out on Instagram. And they have a particular emotional attachment to these things. So I think that that crowd specifically is who can really get sucked into something like this because it just doesn't, it's not scary to me. I I didn't understand the hype at all to this movie, even though I do spend a lot of time in fucking zoom calls.
0: I like host. I thought it was quite, Cool. But you got to remember from my perspective, I look at horror from the first day we ever shot a movie to today and what every decade generation, what speaks to us. I think that this film is going to simultaneously feel very dated very soon, but also be a nice snapshot in time for future generations to be like, oh, I see. I get a sense of what that was like. I get a sense of of the fears and the anxieties of the day during, you know, the unpleasantness. And and so for that, I find it very interesting. It's kind of experimental in a way because this... uh, because of the time in which it was released if you were to say like oh it's like a zoom call thing i was like they've done that like that's literally what uh searching is about or or missing or whatever that uh film was called uh that's literally what like not fear.com but what the fuck was that unfriended um there's
1: open windows
0: yeah there's aspects of of that in um the the cairo film from all those years ago particularly the remake which the english title is uh I'm losing it right now, but anyway, what's also interesting about this list is how it worked. Uh, Dear listeners, in case you wanted to know, you can look up the article yourself. I read it off of bloody disgusting, but um, what you could do or what they did do was they attached everyone to heart monitors and they 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 tested their heart rate. And so when heart rates were elevated. Uh, they calculated that to a percent about the average resting heart rate, which was 65 beats uh, per minute. And then they just had people watch a, a, a smattering of new and old horror films. And then whatever got the most heart rates out of their uh, audience, um, It se- they said it was 250 people. The study the previous year was a scant 50, not enough for a true diverse um Uh, sampling but 250 is you know that's usually what they do and so with that information they did a top 20 list and you would be simultaneously surprised and not surprised with the films that made the list i'm not going to go down the whole list but modern heavy hitters like lots of movies in the conjuring franchise a uh, Quiet Place, It Follows, um, The Hereditary, all the films of The Babadook, all the films that you would expect to see in the modern parlance. It's essentially like if you were to take all of the horror movies that everyone seems to talk about year by year, whatever the bigger ones are or what gets the most uh, media attention, those are the films that they generally uh, decided to to get a spattering of. And... Um, uh, Apparently it was a lot of them were recommended by critics, top uh, top lists of various years. and then also um, Reddit, you know, good old Reddit.
1: <laughs> yeah, good old, good old Reddit. Although Reddit, the horror, dreaddit, the horror sub of Reddit, does have a lot of gems. There's a lot of, of constant contributors there that are are really helpful as far as steering people, especially when people come in and they're new to horror. There's some pretty good threads there, but yeah, it is suspiciously current, and it is suspiciously blumhausian with the conjuring, sinister, insidious, and all of those making a very high up in the list, and a lot of like buzzworthy things, paranormal activities. There, quiet place, Babadook, The Descent is in the list, which Mm -hmm. is refreshing, and that's where the list starts to turn into Mm -hmm. things that aren't all Blumhouse and Mike Flanagan sort of things. And into a few, like The Ring and Mm -hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street. And they don't discern, though, if Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre are the new ones or the originals. So I don't know how to gauge this list yet again.
0: Mm -hmm. We had uh, talked a little bit before the break, uh, or before the break, like what the fuck am I talking about? We talked a little bit before we started recording about modern audiences. And this seems to just be like the, the normies, right? Modern audiences tend to not think too highly of older horror films, and I'm not talking about, like, dusty old universal classics, and I'm not talking about hammer horror. We're talking about things that, you know, horror fans consider the foundation of horror, like stuff coming out of the 1970s and 1980s and shit like that. Um, You know, they just, like, fuck that old shit. They don't like... How older movies were made, they don't they like modern sensibilities.
1: one thing that you'd brought up in that conversation before we started recording was what people are scared of, and yes. things like claustrophobia is one huge thing that doesn't I don't really see it represented in this list of the top twenty, except for maybe in the descent. but mm. um when you said even before I looked at the article, the Uh, movies that raised people's heart rate the most and were thus voted the most scary and i thought of 47 meters down which isn't on the list and i'm wondering if it was in their larger sampling because that movie i'm not claustrophobic and i'm not afraid of open water but that movie was scary because they hit all of those sort of things like the sound and the the crushing silence and the claustrophobia of not being able to see very far in front of you having a sort of stalker slasher almost going on with this shark and all of those things were were hit and done so well and filmed so well and the sound design lent to it so well that i was full of tension i had an elevated heart rate i dare say
0: in that same conversation i had talked about i i have a claustrophobia that ranges between mild and severe And The Descent is a great example when that that harrowing scene in which that woman gets pinned between the rocks and and she's stuck and she, like, I I just, like, why? Why do people do this? Why the fuck are you going through caves? Like, you don't have to go through caves. You don't have to do this. Um, No one's making you do this. (laughs) Um, And also, uh, you had talked about um, going to see the Blair Witch songs, the project uh a yeah, few, a the couple newer of you- one the newer one um and and someone in the audience was very scared um and like audibly gasping like a fucking cartoon character and i'm all having a good chuckle until i remembered that scene underneath the fucking house where she gets she's crawling through this narrow tunnel and she gets stuck and she, and her arm is pinned and she can't go back, she can't go forward. If if I had a heart monitor attached to me in that moment, it would be going crazy. Uh not to mention the fact that I just drink a lot of caffeine, but um I like I would be freaking the fuck out because that is very scary to me. That is panic inducing. Um so and you know, if you're afraid of clowns, pennywise is fucking scary to you clown movies are scary to you if you're afraid of insects maybe the last sequence in creep show with all the cockroaches or you know stuff like that right like there's a bunch of different things that can freak you out that if you were to say watch something you know and that someone is not phobic of you wouldn't even you'd be like who cares about this why is this so scary right
1: Yeah a lot of people would find the beginning of that movie an eye for an eye not that scary but at the time when I watched it as a young girl it was absolutely terrifying to me. I don't know about the heart rate thing though because it reminds me of quite a lot about PewDiePie and his videos where he plays horror video games and he is a jumpy person and there's other gamers online that that do the same thing of course play horror video games usually first person and they have a heart rate monitor hooked up to them while they're playing and you can see their heart rate spike and it's great it's it's fantastic to see there are harrowing scenes in the tomb raider games where you (laughs) get tension filled and i think that's different between having a jump scare or whatever it is because a lot of these are calculated paint by numbers jump scares where they have just picked up on what that sound is it makes people tense and then they throw some visuals that make people jump and there's your heart rate spiking it's not that it's scary because it doesn't stick with you it doesn't make you think like the ring is on this list very low on the list about number 15 and that is a movie that stuck with people and was scary yes. it doesn't have those tricks in it necessarily but it is scary seven days later and you had mentioned that You'd have to follow people around to find out what's really scary.
0: Yeah, there would need to be, you could incorporate sleep studies. Is anybody having bad dreams because of their movies that they're watching? Are they losing sleep? Are they they having bouts of insomnia? Have some interviews with them. Would they ever watch the movie again? Uh, You know, I had talked to you about, you know, embarrassingly now, but, you know, when I first saw the Grudge movie, The remake, not the fucking original, don't even get me started about the original, but when I watched the remake, I went to it in theaters, I had no idea what the fuck I was getting myself into, and I have, it's the most scared, like, my hair kept standing on end, and I didn't even think that was a real fucking thing that happened. I was like a fucking Fred Flintstone cartoon, like just getting super squicked out by this movie, this relentless movie. And then I swore to myself after I got out of that theater, I stuck it out through the whole thing. But I was like, I never want to fucking watch that movie again. And not because I didn't think it was good, but because it was so fucking scary to me. And and I'm not saying like, oh, Wes, what were you like? Eight, nine, 10, 11, 12? No, I was like, fucking 18 or 19 when that movie came out i was not a fucking child
1: you weren't alone there was a grown-ass man my boss at the time when that movie came out in theaters same as you he went and watched it he was afraid to leave because he didn't want to appear scared with his wife and his wife was just watching the movie like a very seasoned horror addict but he was terrified and he was cautioning people, like, if if you get scared by movies ever at all, don't go see The Grudge because you might wet yourself and you might want to leave like I did. I felt so scared. And he was like 35 or something at the time, 30, <laughs> 35. Scared um, him shitless.
0: Yeah. But, uh, yeah, all that to say is I think, we, like, uh, just putting a button on this conversation, I think that the it's, it's a very interesting study, but I think that it lacks... The, the real depth and, and nuance that you really need to really determine what's actually scary. What I will say unequivocally is in the year of our Lord, 2021, the movie The Host, just host, no the, don't get it twisted, made people's uh, heart rates elevated for an extended period of time, more so than other films. And that is genuinely all you can say about it. Whether or not those people even were consciously afraid is a complete other matter
1: yeah exactly i think that there's some intersectionality missing here because we don't know what these people's phobias or fears were at the beginning or their reaction to other horror movies we have no idea about that and that this might not have been scary necessarily to them but they it was it was a jumpy movie as your father would say
0: Yes, my dad would say. Um, Yeah. Anyway, fuck all that. It's very interesting, but we are not here to talk about fucking scientific studies. We are here to talk about Stephen King, Joe Hill, a palooza. Is this the first time that we've ever talked about anything that Joe Hill was involved with as well?
1: Yes, I believe so. I mean, the only other film I can think of that would fit is Horns, and it's not even splattery, so I don't think it would fit. We've never done it, though. No, we've never... I don't think we've ever said Joe Hill on the show.
0: Joe Hill, it's Stephen King's son who writes under a pseudonym, probably to try to distance himself from the great master, but it's not really done well because if you go to Chapters right now, or Barnes & Noble if you're in the, in the Americas, uh, Joe Hill books will be right next to Stephen King books.
1: It is an open secret, and when he had first written and submitted work for publishing he didn't want to ride on his father's coattails at all so he had mm-hmm. submitted under a pseudonym joe hill but even that very first thing that he had submitted a very astute uh editor looked at the name joe hill read the work and thought huh this sounds a lot like stephen king stuff where have i heard this name before joe hill who's this joe hill guy and he opened up a stephen king book that was dedicated to joseph hilliam king Helium, I think, is his middle name. I don't know if that's quite right. And he was like, okay, this has (laughs) got to be Stephen King's son, Joe Hill. And you look at them side by side. They look like father and son. So if he would have been able to see an author picture, he probably would (laughs) have put two and two together entirely even then. But yeah, and he called him on it. And it became that open secret from, from his very first publication. But I like that he's stuck with the name Joe Hill because Joe King is just... I'll never stop laughing about how Joe King would be. Like, what What were you thinking, <laughs> Mr. Stephen King, naming your kid Joe King? That's like naming your kid Dick Steele or Dick Pound or Marshmallow or Elevator.
0: Oh. <laughs> it's very good. I, I think it's actually kind of sweet and beautiful that the apple didn't fall far from the tree. Um, kind of like um, the Cronenbergs. Uh, of, you have Cronenberg's son, doing fucking movies that seem like david cronenberg was doing them um and they and and you could just see that like just there's something about crona david Cronenberg's sensibility and then passed on to his son and they both wanted to make weird viral kind of horror movies kind of not horror movies lots of body shit like the uh, like infection body horror all this shit in this own u- unique little category, very very cool, and and I and I like that they worked together on a story. I wish I could know what that was like. Were they in the room together? Were they sending drafts to each other? Um, how how did the in the Tall Grass novella or short story work? Like how the creative process would be very interesting to me
1: the uh 10 year old in me wants to think that it's like a a exquisite corpse where one of them writes a paragraph and then someone writes the next paragraph and then one writes the (laughs) other paragraph but i know that it's probably a very different than that and for all i know joe hill wrote the whole thing and handed it to his father for an edit and he said just make them eat the baby do what you want man and then it becomes a collaboration (laughs) oh spoiler alert they eat the baby
0: that is a great fucking segue. Lids, what the fuck is this movie even about anyways?
1: This movie is about nature and religion having coalesced into one unstoppable, terrifying beast that you can't discern, make sense of. It is beyond time. It is beyond space. And it is simply in the tall grass. Have you ever looked out at a field and and felt that... You know, not even the Children of the Corn thing. It's not even all Stephen King, he who walks behind the rows and, and stuff like that. But just the, the desolation of it all, the nothingness, the thing that it is a, a monoculture of just grass. Who planted it? What is it there for? How far does it go? Like all these unanswered questions. This takes it to a whole other degree of Twilight Zone.
0: Yes. At the center of it all is a very, very big rock. And the the you're right, and I'm wondering if, particular to me as a city slicker, you know, we always kind of talk about you as like the old country girl, but uh, I'm country a city mouse sl-
1: and city mouse. That's us.
0: Yeah, country mouse and city mouse. I am a city mouse, and the thing that makes fields, vast fields, very like uh, you dare not trespass for multiple reasons. One. I don't know what the fuck that is. Like, I don't, I do have no idea, is that grass? Why would there be a field of grass? Is it wheat? I don't know, I I, I only know if it's wheat if it's pretty much ready to harvest. Is it corn? Is it sunflowers? It, what is it? I don't know. Um, secondly, what animals are in there? I don't know, uh, there, maybe nothing, maybe something. I don't know, I literally have no idea. What if there's a big gross bug in there lids? Um, and gross Maybe
1: snakes. Snakes. <laughs> snakes. Probably definitely and, be snakes.
0: And they touch on this: that that ground is not solid. It is like to your ankles in fucking dirty, gross, wet mud. And I'm wearing fucking Converse, and I do not want to go in there with that fucking shit. So, and then the last and most terrifying thing of all: Farmer Brown has got a shotgun, and I'm on his fucking land
1: wow what are you a, like a rabbit stealing carrots that's adorable um yeah it, it could be you could be trespassing there's a, often not fences around these fields right so it's it's not exactly clear except that because we're humans we know what a forest looks like versus monoculture somebody planted this right right yeah. question mark with this movie who fucking knows um gra- grassy fields and plains like this do exist but they're often mixed with Mm -hmm. different flowers and there's vetch and there's sunflowers and there's buttercups and different kinds of grasses going on in this. In this, it is just this seven foot tall grass and it could be sweet grass grows sort of like this once it gets going in nature. Sweet grass would have been a really nice thing because that smells amazing and it does grow in kind of boggy places. So there would be like that squelchy mud underfoot. And they do that quite realistically. I love a huge field like this to look out upon, to ponder, watch the wind dance through it. You can walk out and get lost. Basically, you can walk out there and flatten out an area and sunbathe nude if you want. No one will see you. It's great that way. If you were, really? if you had a choice between a grass maze and a corn maze, I think a grass maze would be a lot easier to handle and be a lot more fun. Although grass cuts is a real thing like you are going to end up with like paper cuts cornfields do that to you too then cut you up pretty good yes so there are like some small scary things already attached to just this huge field of grass
0: i used to go out into a field a field that doesn't exist thank you very much condos in progress here in ottawa um a field that i used to play in with of my brother that was just behind the elementary school that we lived across the street from. And we used to go running through there in our, you know, like prescription little boy shorts. And it would, we would cut, get out of the field and our legs, it would look like we had been lashed um, over and over and over again by a whip or something. And we'd have these awful red, almost welts from just, what are you doing? Just tearing through the fucking grass. Just tearing through it as fast as you fucking can. And it, and it does cut you and, and leaves you with that burning, itching sensation. Just awful. And and so, yeah, that's how I knew that I'd never love nature again and just paved the whole goddamn planet over if I had it my way. Because I kept thinking as I was watching this movie, what if a farmer just, like, with a, one of those huge fucking threshers that, like, span, like... 25 feet just like brr, drove into it and shit like that but they don't have one of
1: those. You know, they can't hear you scream <laughs> if you were walking past a field like this and you heard somebody yelling for help and mm-hmm. saying they're lost would you not just stand on the edge and yell and play that like like they sort of do at the beginning of this try and helping the person by follow my voice like would you help them or would you go into that field
0: you know uh First of all, I would never go into that field for reason number one. For all I know, that is a fucking skinwalker trying to lure me in there. Um, uh, if they knew my name, it'd be a Wendigo. But they don't know my name, so it's a fucking skinwalker. Although Tobin does know their names eventually. Wendigo. <laughs> no. <laughs> Under no circumstances. Even though, like, 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 you know, jokes aside, I'm not an idiot. I, I, I know... I have a very good sense of direction. Like, I I know where the fucking road is, so I wouldn't be like, if I walk in there five feet, I'm going to be lost. I wouldn't really (laughs) think that. Um, Yeah. But, like, there would be something so fucking creepy about it. First of all, in this situation, I'm either pregnant or I'm with someone who's pregnant. One. Two, I'm going somewhere already. I either... Like, and I got a lot of my plate. B, there is a fucking dilapidated forgotten church with a car graveyard in it where the cars have clearly been sitting there for some of them. Some of those cars, Lids, and I know you saw this, are from like the 50s. Some of yep. those cars have been there for fucking decades. And even the cars that haven't been there for decades... Are completely covered in pollen and dirt. So, like, they've all, like, clearly that's just all just sitting there. Something ain't right here. So, there's no way. And this is beyond the fact that, like, I'm in a horror movie and I know something is wrong. In real life, if somebody called out to me into the field, I'd just be too chicken to go. I'd be like, this seems like a trick. This seems like, this seems like someone is trying to jump me. And that's the city mouse in me. It's like some guy lying by a carth saying he needs help, and then he pulls a gun on me. City mouse.
1: I think that now, no, being a little older, and, and I totally share all of your concerns with this field and somebody needing help within it. Um, what if I'm not wearing proper footwear? Can't get service on my cell phone? Are they tricking me? All of those things. But then I also have the idea that I would definitely... Like walk in somewhat or have them pull up a whole bunch of grass and hold it above their heads. Yes. Because if this is seven foot tall grass, then you can make it 14 feet high and maybe see them. I don't know. Something like that. Like try something. Uh, but also, yeah, it's the the biggest thing is, is this a trick? And mm-hmm. I have somewhere else to be. So in this film, which starts out kind of Jeepers Creepersy with a brother and sister driving through the countryside. They had been driving across the country. Because the pregnant Becky is going to give her baby up for adoption once she has it. So she's driving across the entire country with her brother, her best friend type brother. And they... Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they they really are. They're like twinsies kind of thing. It reminds me a lot of Jeepers Creepers. Like, a lot. And then... They get stopped at this Black Rock of the Redeemer Church with my favorite car graveyard. I love car graveyards. I have a big yeah. affinity for a car graveyard. And they get called off into the field by young Tobin who is yelling for help. And I just, the premise right away is unsettling, because there's so many reasons why they should just get in their car and drive away, but they don't, because this is a horror film and they're friendly people, and maybe it's the whole Becky is thinking about children kind of thing and wants to help this little boy that's lost.
0: Um, Let me ask you this. Uh, When I was watching this film, there was the the aspect that stood out to me that seems to be kryptonite to you would be the idea of a pregnant protagonist i'm not saying that you don't you don't like if someone's pregnant in a movie you fucking don't want to watch the movie that that would be ridiculous but it's more like you would you get a sense that like well this is going to be all about breeding and motherhood and like i have to protect my baby is like it's those types of plot lines that let's be clear turns me off too but um Mm -hmm. but it definitely makes it seem like you wouldn't even really want to give it the time of day. Was that something that you had to overlook? Or were you just like, no, this doesn't bother me in this in this instance?
1: I didn't realize that she was. Like, it's not something that I, I cared about or noticed from the trailer. And mm-hmm. I like the idea of the grass so much that I would put up with two pregnant women. Seriously. Oh. I, I would also put up with like a box wine drinking soccer mom if I had to or if there was a possibility that she'd die but this is Becky who is a single mom and a reluctant single mom who is giving her kid up for adoption doing a lot of the right things I think given Mm -hmm. her situation so I really did like that and she wasn't like a a whiny mom she jumps five feet in the air at one point and ends up landing on her butt that's a tough broad (laughs) I guess at that point so she's still like moving beyond the the beach whale sort of vision people have of pregnant women and being more of the very active totally fine with this fit mother which mm-hmm. is most of the mothers i've seen most of the pregnant women i've ever had in my life are like fit and capable and moving furniture around and doing all sorts of normal things they're not like yeah me uh, too a, a whining bitchy overheated whale on the couch making people yeah. do stuff for them. So I like that this character is a very realistic, uh, modern fit mom, even though she is a reluctant mom at the end of the day. So uh, that is, yeah. And I often do read the, uh, back jacket of a book or see the trailer a movie. And it's like, Oh, this is like a, a pregnant woman movie, not interested. And I do do mm. the ridiculous thing of not watching a film or if it's uh, a couple going off in to patch up their relationship oh yeah or whatever that's a big pass for me
0: i almost got there i i do get there with like my kid is missing stories like i'm just like because i often find that lots of people end up dying because one person's kid is missing and you know with the obvious exception of one of my favorite stories of all time silent hill uh that whole thing is predicated on a missing child so that i'm excluding that because i love that fucking video game End movie. Um, But the... Yeah, and and man, there was a time in my life where I was getting so sick of recently divorced or recently separated families with, like, mom, dad, a bajillion children, and the oldest child is a very angsty teenager because they had to move because parents got a divorce or something like that. Like, I was just getting, like... Can we fucking stop with this first draft bullshit? Can you just have a little bit more discipline, five more minutes, and can you come up with something other than like... And they're moving into this house because somebody got a divorce or there's family troubles or they've recently reconciled. So, like, there's a reason to believe that stress could pull a family apart. I was like, sometimes people are happy and they get mad at each other when they're stressed out. You don't need a divorce or a family yeah. or a peanut butter chewing child delivering all his dialogue about the boogeyman. We don't need that all the time.
1: Just like we don't need every woman to be pregnant. It's like either pregnant or raped. Is that all that women can, can offer to a plot as a character?
0: How about a woman wants to survive because she wants to survive? Or how about, a, a, like, you know, I that you know what? A fucking perfect example uh, is, like, Underwater. Case stew in that movie was fucking awesome. She didn't give a fuck about anything. However, she still had to sacrifice herself so the other person could have a relationship. I was just like, fuck that shit. I'll fucking die with Cthulhu down there. But this film gets going really, really quickly. And I was surprised about that because it has a longer runtime right it's almost two hours long so the fact that like they basically like the movie starts off with them pulling up in front of that field of grass and then you know five minutes into the film they're crossing that threshold never to uh, return or so we don't we don't know yet but um and so I was very I was very like oh wow okay well we're getting going what are they gonna spend the whole movie doing this is, the Buckwild thing that I had no idea was in this film, like no idea because it is not inferred to me anyway about the trailer. Maybe I wasn't watching the trailer very carefully. There is a motherfucking straight up time displacement, time loop thing going on in this fucking movie. And this went from like, this is a pretty interesting concept, blah, blah, blah to like fucking awesome. I love this shit
1: yep yep i absolutely love this as well and even with the hints of it that you get to piece together later because it's always fun to have a bit of a game in a a story in memento was the film that did this (laughs) absolute best where you almost Mm want to watch it again to piece this stuff together it uh it does lay a few little breadcrumbs for you as to the nature of this grass and it's interesting because like within five minutes they do cross this threshold and what are they going to spend the next you know, hour and a half doing, walking around in the grass, Wes. That's what they're going to do. They're going to walk <laughs> around in the grass and you're going to fucking love it.
0: Yeah, because you know, and this is where the director's hand is coming in because, you know, Cube could have been a super boring fucking movie but since there is every room gives way to a new trap, they have a new thing that they got to worry about in the rooms, mm-hmm. then it keeps you interested, it keeps you engaged, and then the inter- connectivity of all the characters keeps you engaged even though things were a little predictable in the way like i I was just uh, when you know you first see um what's the actor's name will something
1: patrick wilson
0: patrick wilson um when you see patrick wilson i was like there's the bad guy just because i was like well they're not gonna give him another role in which he just has sideburns and sings elvis songs to people and fix your car just because he's a super nice religious guy um you know, he's definitely gonna be the fucking bad guy. I didn't realize that he was gonna turn into Jason Voorhe'es like, I, like and and why he would do that. Um, and when you finally encounter Tobin and and you're like, oh, it's a real little boy. Oh, is it like a children of the corn little boy? And you you get the sense where like, maybe he's a bad guy too and particularly when they start incorporating this idea of the rock. Now, for the audience, like could you explain the rock how you see it?
1: Now, the rock itself it's it's so tough with this because you're like people must have built this field, people must have put this rock here. There's a church across the road called Black Rock of the Redeemer. This is obviously all tied in together. But then when you think about it in the in the more broad cosmic this rock was deposited here by the glaciers it was pushed away from other rocks far away none of the other rocks wanted to hang out with this rock this rock was the black rock it's a huge obsidian rock or something it's huge big black horrible rock deposited here by nature itself far away from anything else or anyone else and the grass is there hiding it so to speak and it has become somewhat warped by the negativity that is ensconced within this horrible rock that none of the other rocks wanted anything to do with. So it is nature has rejected all of this to the point and tried to hide it in the best way it knows how with mucky grass, I guess, but miles and miles and miles of the shit. And the church was probably a defensive mechanism against this horrible black hole of negativity that somebody sometime must have identified so the place of the rock within this this field in this film is not necessarily a forbidden knowledge because it does dispense that it dispenses forbidden knowledge only forbidden by the nature of the trap that you're in so once you step into the field that knowledge you need is how the fuck to get out and Mm -hmm. it is withholding that information from you so it is the true villain is is this rock entirely Warping the time around it, the space around it, and the humans and the animals around it.
0: I do love um, how things slowly start to make sense within this field. Uh, It seems to be a dimension with no true rules about time, space. You can, the second you're out of my line of sight, you could be moved 30, 40. 100 feet away from me and it seems to be actively trying to keep you separated from people so you could follow each other's voices but you'll never find them there is one huge exception dead things don't move
1: which I love
0: Yes, it seems self-explanatory. If I were to tell you, lids, dead things don't move, and you'd be like, "Yeah, that is uh, one of the hallmarks of being dead—is you don't move." Uh, but this is even more so—you can't be moved, let's say, via supernatural means. I, I always get the sense that the—I always get the sense that the field is unable to move things that are dead because you become part of the earth in a sense, and. So the first thing that they encounter is poor old Freddy. That is a very fly-covered dog. That leads us to eventually meeting Tobin. Tobin has, like, a crow, and the crow can't be moved, so Tobin says, Um, this dirty, muddy, creepy little Tobin does touch the rock, though. Which makes me wonder, what timeline is that Tobin from?
1: And how many Tobins are there?
0: (laughs) Well we can get a sense that there's probably hundreds or dozens because they're going to, one of my favorite fucking aspects of this is throughout the film, they encounter old bodies of themselves every time that they fucking die. And it's awesome. And some look like they've been dead a few hours. Some look like they've been dead a few weeks. Some look like they've been dead for years. So, I was just fucking fascinated by this. This just was really fucking cool to me.
1: The Tobin that they meet is filthy. And then they meet a Tobin that is slightly less filthy. They meet a Tobin who is very, very scared. They meet a Tobin who's filthy and scared. They meet a Tobin who is extremely filthy and not scared anymore at all. So they meet these sort of like different various, like Tobin in various stages of his Mm -hmm. mental decay. They also meet Freddy the Pup. Spry and Barkin.
0: Yeah, hale and Hardy. There is another person that is going to be factored into this, and this is like, this is when this movie had my fucking full attention. Becky is pregnant, not from her brother. <laughs> that joke does... is made
1: within the short story as well.
0: Yeah, because her brother is very protective of her sister, and I think we as a society have a hard time understanding when people of Typically interconnecting genders are very close with each other and it's not sexual because some people have a weird time separating that. But um, there's a, there is an ex-boyfriend who fucking rolls up to this place and you think to yourself, hang on a second, like what's he doing here? Like what what is the point? what was he hot on their trail? It doesn't make any sense. How, like, who's this guy? Who's this guy? Um, and then he finds their vehicle. And you look at it, and it's filthy. And I'm like, well, that doesn't really make a hell of a lot of sense. And you start getting this creeping feeling that time is not what it seems. And then it's confirmed by looking into the car seat. And that burger that Cal was munching on... 20 minutes ago, is black and moldy and maggot infested. And you find out that it has been months. And this is not like a supernatural premature aging. This is when you cross that fucking field of grass, it will seem like you're there for five minutes, but you've actually been there for a greater expanse of time.
1: Yeah, and it's even larger than... You know, even in the beginning, when they walk 10 feet in, turn around and realize that they're 100 yards from the road. If they hear one of them yelling in one direction and then jump up in the grass, they see them in another direction. Like those small tricks seem almost like a a parlor trick compared to the fact that they walked in there 20 minutes ago and two months has passed. And Travis has come looking for them and finally hunted them down by spotting their car outside the church in amongst the car graveyard like mm-hmm. that is so much bigger and so much more terrifying in fact mm-hmm. because who knows if they walked 10 feet in within a minute they could have been in a fugue state it could have they could have walked in and fallen asleep immediately mm-hmm. and the rest of their being lost is because it's months later and they're dehydrated and and dying basically literally and that's when you start to find their bodies within there that are Old and desiccated, they could have died within those first few minutes of walking into that field. Whether there's anyone else in that field or not, because that's when the time loop gets even more insidious, Travis is the last person to enter the field, the boyfriend who came hunting. The hunting is the wrong word. (laughs) Because you do think that there is like some sort of bad air between Becky and Travis, aside from him impregnating her and then walking away from the relationship you, you do sort of worry that there's that he is even more of a mean person but he's he's really not but he is the last person to walk into this field not long after we find out that he may have not been the last person and closer to the first so that it's playing with the order of who gets called into this field and when is warped because we know as the viewer we know that becky and cal were driving by and heard tobin And Tobin has two parents. So there's three people in the field, then there were five, and then there were six. But we find out not long after that Travis had lured in people from the get go.
0: Yes, we do. And it is really fucking incredible because when you see, when you first see Tobin and his family, this squeaky, clean, uh, upwardly mobile a group of people, and you go in there. And like I think to myself, oh, it's a flashback. This is a flashback. This is going to tell us how these characters got into the field. Okay, let's watch. And then you see that Tobin is lured in there by Travis. And you're like, how does that make any s- What? I was like, so it, wait. So Travis pulled in Tobin Tobin pulled in Becky and Cal, but Becky and Cal should have been missing before Tobin. And Travis was only in the field because he was looking for Becky and Cal. So you're just like, whoa. And I know some people get confused with like time travel and time loop plots. But the more weird and the more ways that time travel bump into each other, the more... um, continuity errors that it creates the more i love it i love when time travel is weird i love when it doesn't make any sense because it it, immediately you get this sense the second i saw that moldy sandwich i like the field of grass went from like oh it's like a weird supernatural entity or something. It's like there, th- there's something wrong with their brains, or or whatever. Like what's ever happening is not really happening. The second I saw that moldy sandwich, I knew that time itself was warped around this thing, which like elevates this to like a cosmic fucking level. Like this becomes like y- you immediately get the sense, oh my god, like these characters are so beyond their depth. Like they they this is an incomprehensible fucking problem um where where it's like i don't see a solution how the fuck do you fix this it's you're not going to fix it by walking to the road unless
1: no the only solution is to burn that fucker down but you know it gets worse because the the way that the field the tall grass behaves is bad enough the fact that it sucks people in and you can just die of starvation wandering around mm-hmm. this fucking place and get separated, because like you said, as soon as you lose eyesight of somebody, they're gone. They're fucking gone. They could be in any mm-hmm. direction, in any distance, away from you in this in this vast, unending field. Then we enter the rock and the way that it deeply warps people, aside from it sort of controlling time and space around it in this field and the people getting lost. I mean, boo-hoo, you're lost it warps you into a a cult basically of itself by Mm -hmm. touching this rock and in amongst this we meet Ross who is Tobin's father and he Mm -hmm. has like you said he turns into Jason Voorhees he is chasing stalking and wanting to kill people and the reason we found so many bodies around is because he's been doing this for I don't know how long however long he's been in there which now that we know sort of the mechanics of the field Could be 10 years, could be 10 minutes.
0: We really don't know. And also, it's important to note that if you're just like, so you're telling me in all this time only six people went into this field? No. But as Tobin eerily says, there are other people in the the field, countless people. For all time, there are people in this field, but they are not connected to one another. If you are not connected through narrative of some sort – Tobin and his family go in there. Tobin like calls in Becky and Cal. Travis goes in after Becky and Cal because they've been missing. So there is a connection there that I think starts with Tobin and his family. Maybe who the fuck knows? Because it's a it's a Sisyphus loop, right? Or Sisyphus uh, or a Baris loop. Um, the um, so that in itself is very fascinating. This black rock, this this malicious. Fucking stone that is somehow it's implied that it could even be like the center of the known universe. Um, is uh is got carvings on it, and the carvings prophesize a birth, and Becky happens to be pregnant, and so Tobin's father, what's that character's name again? Ross. Ross? Ross is the name real estate's the game. Uh
1: Ross Humboldt. <laughs>
0: It's not – more like Ross, not very humble. He he is um, he is allowed cosmic knowledge, and it is cosmic. The more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm thinking of this as a cosmic horror because it's that sort of, like, brain-breaking ultimate truth that this rock apparently will give you. Uh, and when you're around it, it's like this unknowable malice. And it's just a rock. It's just a rock. It's just a fucking rock in the ground. Like, it's not – but like they've they've made it something scary and there's some uh, intricate carvings on it and stuff like that. Ross fucking crushes his wife's head like Jason Voorhees and I'm not even just like like a thing Jason Voorhees would do. It's the same fucking kill from Friday the 13th part 3. And I was going to ask you do, like he never demonstrates that kind of strength again. Crushing a human's head in between your hands is not something that an average or even above-average person could do. That is beyond superhuman. But he never really does anything like that again, does he?
1: Not that I recall. And if we ascribe sort of um, even more powers to this rock, maybe it's a proximity to the rock that gives him this sort of power because he doesn't really seem to have it. He has a lot of knowledge about the pathways and where things are in this field, the permanent fixtures and the permanent fixtures he's placed there. Uh, speaking of the dead bodies that he's been responsible for so like he does have that knowledge but maybe he has higher strength he does get more frenzied the closer he gets to this rock
0: there's a fucking wicked ass scene in which um you can and you'd really only understand this towards the end of the film but there's a wicked ass scene where like it seems as though the only one who doesn't know who the only one who does know how the cornfield or the cornfield, the grass field works in terms of like tunnels and passageways. And this will lead to that. And that will lead to this, um, is Ross. He is able to fucking teleport essentially from one area to the other. Like he's fucking nightcrawler. And it's, uh, it's such a cool-looking sequence. You could tell that these people are really flat-footed. Initially, you know, there's, like, all the characters manage to converge because they converge on the dead body of one of the Freddies. And they manage to follow each other's voices. That's something that I'm, like, not sure I'd be good at. It's like, can I follow somebody's voice? I don't know. Um, but they manage to all get together. And then, furthermore, they all manage to get to The Rock. And there's this instance in which they're just like, well, okay, Ross is like acting crazy, but there's way more of us than there is of him,, uh, like two able bodied person and one pregnant woman who probably has the strength of ten men. Uh, and but yet, when he's menacing them, they don't really do anything. And furthermore, like, like Travis gets his fucking like arm dislocated by this guy and you realize, oh no, he's like, superhuman so even if they all fought him together i don't know if they would win
1: yeah he's got something bigger than mama bear strength that a pregnant woman can sometimes have he's got this believer strength i don't know what it is but adding to the jason of at all or even the michael myers or leatherface there is a dilapidated bowl Rama within this field as well <laughs> So there's not many this... landmarks really there's this this vast unending field that somewhere around it on one of its edges is a church and somewhere sort of within it on what you'd want to think is an edge but it's not is a fucking bowl rama someone built a huge ass bowling rama <laughs> a huge ass <laughs> bowling stadium or whatever you call a bowling alley
0: yeah um, bowling alley,
1: multi-lanes yeah. And it's multi floors, but it is, it reminds me so much of the slaughterhouse in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And they end up going there to try and get their bearings in this unending field. And it adds a whole other scenery to this because at this point it's almost like a play because it could be taking place anywhere. It's just six people basically interacting in this one sort of weird, ever-changing yet very samey space. But then they go to this bull
0: This Bolorama is such a nice breath of fresh air because you're right, um, a lot of it is very samey. You are just looking at uh, a bunch of uh, grass fields and stuff like that. Did you know that this whole thing was filmed in? or principal photography was all done in Toronto?
1: Which doesn't surprise me considering all of the fields that we have around here that you could film this in. And the CG, I really want to touch on that. There are scenes, I'm sure, where they had to drop a green screen in and replicate the field just to make it Mm -hmm. So much more vast when you're moving through it, looking through it, and all of those things. Because if you go into a field here in Ottawa and plunk yourself down in the middle and look around in the field, you'll get glimpses of buildings and trees or vehicles passing by. I don't know how they would have sound staged this whole thing because you can hear airplanes and cars and people pretty much anywhere you go. And Toronto's really even worse because it's like four times the size of Ottawa. So it's weird to me that they did that. But then you take into account the fantastic CG. The plants and grass and bugs and water droplets in this film are just so wonderful. It's hard to tell where the CG starts and the real grass begins.
0: Mm. The Bolarama is another really good example because you know, like, there's no way that they built that.
1: They could have. They built the It House. Well,
0: you're right. They did build the It House, now that you mention it. Um, But, like, it is it is so well made and you're right the cgi is really good and the like the sound design is so fucking good just the sound of that grass the 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 way the 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 way that it sounds when it breaks you you get the sense that like oh grass what's the big deal but it sounds so hard it sounds so uh uninviting you know what i'm saying like it just seems the whole thing just seems so beautifully done and and it's funny like like I know that this movie didn't get a lot of uh love but I r- I really think that's a, a a shame like such a shame like it, this was so mm-hmm. well done
1: it really was
0: yeah, the criticisms that I had heard was people felt that the premise was too flimsy to make a whole movie around and I was just like why does it have to be any more complicated than what it is I don't understand I, listen, this movie was almost two hours long, and I didn't look at my fucking... I didn't look for, at the time once. I didn't, like, stop to see, like, how much fucking longer is this thing? Because I do that when I'm bored. I'll be like, wait, how much fucking longer? Oh, fuck, 40 minutes, eh? Jesus. Um, You know, this, I was, like, very engaged. And when they get to this... I was so into the movie by the time they got to the bowling alley. And I was like, oh, my God, a bowling alley. What the fuck? What is this doing here? And I was I was just so excited. And when they were in the bowling alley, I never wanted them to leave. Because I was so fascinated by, like, what's the story here? Like, a church is a church is a church. But, like, who the fuck built a bowling alley here? When? What happened to them? Why? The, like, like, is
1: that a part wh- was of what this? fed this field? I mean, is yeah. that, and it is a relief like, because you want to be saved from this field yourself in a way not because it's tedious or boring because it's certainly not i had the same uh experience where didn't look at my clock at all and i just absolutely was invested in this but you feel like you're on steady ground for once out of this field and on something concrete man-made safe sure it's dark and dilapidated there isn't a person around it's probably been there for yes fucking years or if not a hundred years who knows how long it's been there abandoned for, but it feels safe.
0: Yeah, like looking at the bowling alley and looking at like the pins and stuff like that, I was like, it looks like this was probably made in the 70s, but I don't know. Um, So this has two of my favorite fucking sequences in the film, one of which is where Cal really sort of lets out his feelings about Travis not liking him he's in a band, he's a deadbeat doesn't have a job Like, is not exactly the type of person that you would want to see knock up your fucking sister particularly if you're very close with your sister Um, and this kind of it's funny because before I knew who the director was the sequence on the roof reminded me of Cube, like where the cop lets that fucking woman drop it's the same scene where they're running away from Ross, who's like found them. Like, I, and I thought for a half second before I understood how the rocks' powers worked. But I thought to myself, "Oh, like there's like this is a good place to hide because you know you're not you have like some protection and shit like that here." Not understanding that Ross absolutely knows how to get here and probably knows his way around it and shit, but also that Ross has the knowledge of all the previous times that this has happened. They get a phone call. Uh, as well a mysterious phone call about making the same mistakes over and over and over again. I had a sneaking suspicion it was Becky. I was like feels like that's probably Becky. but um, but when they're up on the roof and Cal and Travis see Freddy the dog escape to the road. the dog knows how to fucking get out. There is a pathway there is a there is a logic, however unseen towards how this fucking field operates. And in that moment, Travis almost falls. Cal catches him, gives him a long look, and lets him drop. The only reason Travis doesn't die is because his fall is broken by a bunch of other dead Travises.
1: Which is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Because you don't want to see him go either. Because even though he seemed to be just sort of like a plot um, mechanism. Mm Mm-hmm in a certain way just to come in and help explain what's all happening here and the order of things as best we can discern and then we're done with him so to speak we're not because he gets even better after he has his fall broken and figures out another sort of piece of the puzzle
0: this is also like when all the commotion's going on i like that becky keeps asking about travis and like cal is just like don't worry about it don't worry about it he's coming and i was just like I was like, it seems kind of wild that Cal killed him or allowed him to die. Perhaps I don't know. That's splitting hairs, but still. But it definitely, it definitely um, comes off as very that. That's where I'm in the like the oh I'm watching a horror movie because if if this was real life, I would dead stop and be and say no 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 like he's coming or don't worry about it or we have to go where is he? Where's Travis? He was just here. <laughs> what happened yep, to him?
1: Exactly.
0: Um, this chase sequence between Ross and Cal right after this sequence is my favorite fucking thing ever. It's so fucking cool because as Ross is like teleporting around, catches up with Cal and kills him while Cal is looking at the swath of other cows that have tried to make it get away from ross and fail dozens of them at various levels of decomposition some of them are right next to his body some of them are a few feet forward and it reminds me of a video game like the types of games that you can play where when you die your body stays there and you can go back to your body and even ones that are online where you can see where everyone's died in these mazes this reminds me of that and it's the futility of it all because you think when someone says you're in a time loop we keep making the same mistakes it really hits home when you can see all of the mistakes you've made you've tried this a dozen times and you've died every single time it's so crushing and effective i loved it
1: what do you think about the grass creatures that live in this because now we've established that the bullerama is not safe at all. And mm-hmm. we the story returns to the grass. Uh, even though we might have mm-hmm. thought that we would have a get-out-of-jail-free card with being able to see the road at this point and having a better idea of where things are, there's grass creatures.
0: Mm-hmm. This, first of all, the look of these grass creatures really reminded me of that one horror movie that came out like three or four years ago with that kid who wears the fucking wood mask. I can't remember the name of it.
1: I know that movie quite well, and I suddenly can't remember the name of it either. And I enjoyed that movie a lot.
0: Yeah, that movie's great.
1: They remind me of Spriggans. I'm playing Skyrim right now, and they remind me of Spriggins.
0: <laughs> the grass creatures, this was my take on it. And I don't know if I'm off base. But if we are to believe that the rock is the cosmic center of the universe, let's say that's true. And that's not just sermonizing on Ross's part. And one truth that we do know for a fact is that if you touch the rock, you will understand everything that the rock knows, not Dwayne the rock, but this rock, and you will not want to leave the field. I believe that these grass creatures are the, 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 um, end result the 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 farthest mutation of that devotion you become you know behind the rose like you become the devotee of this rock and you stop being a human and you become one of these things i think all of these entities that finally reveal themselves are the the endlessly trapped and but also feverishly devoted to this field of grass that's what i think
1: Uh, that was the thing that i didn't get is like why aren't there more rosses in this field or why aren't there people that are sort of in that transition phase Mm -hmm. will ross just wake up one day as a as a grass creature or are these something different entirely is this what happens with decomposing corpses after a certain amount of time that they're uh, reconstituted as, as these creatures I wasn't quite sure about how they fit in. And I felt like it was a little bit extra because I was so happy with what the movie had offered me. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you know, it's Mm -hmm. almost like you could do without the grass creatures. So they're almost forgettable in a way because all of the things that that happen around here, even though the the movie does get a little muddled, I think at this point, Mm -hmm. still enjoyable, but a little muddled. It could have been all accomplished with the cast that we knew.
0: I agree. I think that this is where it opens up into weird for the sake of being weird. Um, this sequence, the grass people, this initiates what is essentially a fucking drug trip on the, the account of Becky, where she comes to this rock and, or is brought to this rock by these beings, these entities, they have swirling grass faces. They look like they're made of soil. And their heads are made are sprouted uh, grass. Uh, They have no true human features to speak of, goblin-like almost. And they are bringing her to the rock to give birth to her baby, and that splits open the earth itself. And amongst the earth is these writhing, muddy, trapped souls essence beings of probably everyone before or even more of these grass creatures that is definitely not certain and Mm -hmm. you see closer on the rock carvings of a birth and so you're wondering yourself okay this is telling me that somehow the birth of this child within this field of grass is significant this has either been prophesized or well i mean it's definitely been prophesized because it's on the face of the rock but i'm not clear well, if
1: you're if that's the past though that's the thing with this rock in this field that could be uh have car- that could have been carved after she had the baby for all we fucking know yes
0: and that um leads me to my thought that it might not even be that Becky in that place in that time is very significant because large law of large numbers, pregnant women must have come to this place before. And mm-hmm. if we're to believe that this has existed since before time or before recorded human history, then you know, it it would be it would be silly to think that this whole time they were just waiting for her because Something that is an ongoing theme of this film is death and rebirth, both through the time loop itself. Every time you die, you're doomed to repeat this scenario, so you're always dying and coming back. There's this idea that we die, we become one with the earth. The earth opens up and literally there's like writhing previous humans inside of it, whether or not those are what's feeding the grass stalks or not, who knows. And then there's this idea of um, bringing something into the earth and then consuming it back into yourself, which is what humans have done for the beginning to survive. Uh, you have Becky giving birth and now things that are from the earth from her uh she is going to consume to survive. She eats her baby, is what I'm getting at. She
1: eats her baby. (laughs) And and it's a a joyous feast and a great time was had by all. And it seems to me that the end game isn't to have her baby be born and heralded as king and then the rock can rest once (laughs) and forevermore. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not it. There's not an end game of if they do everything right, they win, and the rock shatters and And disintegrates like Mm -hmm. there's no getting it right it seems and this could have happened a hundred times before could have happened like you said with other pregnant women it's not necessarily becky being the significant one here it could just be part of the time loop entirely and that's just what happened this time that we got to see i mean it's it's really hard to to discern what the significance is of it and if, if it is as simple as she has She's consuming something from the earth which she has bestowed upon
0: it. Yeah. And, and and like this idea of like something comes out of her and then goes back inside of her. Something comes out of her and then goes back inside of her. It's a loop. It is constantly from the swirls and the faces of the grass people to the time loop itself. The fact that they're going to endlessly be repeating everything. Again, it's just loops and loops and loops. And maybe that is just the circle, the wheel of time. The circle of life is that what this rock? The
1: carbon nitrogen cycle, the circle of poo. If you are South Park fan
0: yes, Um, that that seems to be what the what it is, and what they learn is Becky is fallen, Cal is dead, Travis is not dead, but Travis knows what they then must do. Travis must touch the rock. The problem is the catch twenty two as Ross would say, as Ross has been like stabbed in the eye, he's been attacked a whole bunch of times. Like the only way to end this is to stop the loot from happening. Travis knows that there are ways to get out of the field. But in order to do that, the rock has to tell you. And if the rock tells you how to get out, you're not going to want to leave. But all he needs to do is make sure that cal and becky don't go into the field because it does become about him sacrificing himself you know he has been stabbed he's been chucked off of a building he ain't doing too well so he is going to go ahead and he is going to touch the rock and it ignites a veiny pathway and you could see that he understands exactly how to get out of the field and he will impart that knowledge to young Tobin, who I guess this version never touched the rock.
1: If because we don't know how time works at all in this and space and how the two relate, we have to guess. Because Tobin still looks shocked and scared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's not that almost scheming um, devotee who is like a mini-me to his father. Sort of look in his eye. The look in his eye is very different, and he's not quite as filthy. He hasn't mm-hmm. eaten twenty dead crows by this point. He's probably still hungry and thirsty. <laughs> so yeah I, I like that angle of it all very much and it, it reminds me sort of of like different films where you know you need the the zombie strength so you have to get bite by the zombie to save everybody or you need vampire strength to yeah, kill 30 the vampire, days a night so you and... have to get yeah like it, it, you need to do you need to sacrifice yourself by taking on the ability of your foe and like stealing your fate in that same thing so i really do like that um, it's never it's never done too too transparently it's a trope that I think that we can still milk for another decade or two <laughs> and I like I like that angle of this for Travis too because we were never overly invested in him and expected him to disappear at any time even when Cal almost killed him we mm-hmm. expected that to be the end of Travis and didn't mourn him too terribly but he is very helpful that's one thing so Trav- topin does get to leave
0: mm-hmm. and it's this weird uh sort of logic of time and space in which he ends up in the church
1: which is yet another relaxing break of pace it's nice and quiet like a church ought to be and it is much like the bowling alley we're finally out of this grass not that the grass was tiresome i keep iterating that it's nice to get out of the grass because it would be if you were trapped in the fucking shit
0: (laughs) yeah you're absolutely right um this is where they uh, he encounters Cal and Becky. And then it's the task of, like, how do you convince them not to go in there while Tobin is calling for them simultaneously? And and he's just like, are you coming to help me? I'm really scared. Like, come on. What are you doing? Come and get me. And then Tobin's standing there like, do like, don't go in there.
1: And what's really helpful, and this is so, this is, if maybe anything, the Stephen King thing of it all. There's a talisman. attached to all of this there's some sort of physical thing rooting somebody somewhere in some particular time and stephen king uses these physical talismans in almost all of his writing if you if you look for it or even just small things in the cell it was a keychain like little things little physical things imbued with the power of hope or something like that and this is exactly it except uh tobin has one that is aged it is a necklace a pendant and It is visibly aged and it's rusty and it's filthy. And it so happens that Becky is wearing the today version of it. The Mm -hmm. shiny, fresh, not tramped on by Grass Monster's uh, version of her unbloodied necklace.
0: It does the trick and it closes the loop as they decide to take Tobin away from there. Poor Tobin. He doesn't have his dog anymore and he does not have his parents anymore and so that's that he's probably just relieved to get out of there and it's not as though Becky and Cal are strangers to him he has encountered them many times before so he it's it's not like he's going away with strangers and who knows what's going to happen to him but this does close the loop and as they drive away Travis lays back into the grass maybe to either die or to become one of those grass people eventually himself or at least that version of him because there's also a version (laughs) of travis who will never go looking for them
1: yeah yeah and probably probably not redeem himself ever in cal's eyes (laughs) not that he ever did in this one but yeah who won't go looking for him and doing the right thing and and talking about wanting to at least try and and have a family yeah none of that conversation's gonna happen. He might forget who Becky is in two months.
0: yeah, might just be you know he'll he'll just be the the baby daddy for the rest of his life and he'll never really amount to much. but uh it's it's very uh it's it's a very cool way to end it a little ambiguous uh, as ambiguous as it starts. All we know is this was a weird fucking field with an evil fucking rock.
1: And all that Becky's parents know is that she went away with a pregnant belly about to give up a kid and came back with an extra one that was full grown.
0: <laughs> That's absolutely true. Um, but yeah, I, this is a really good pick lids. Like I really thank you for bringing it to my attention because I don't know if I ever would have watched it otherwise.
1: Yeah, it's super underrated. And I know that you had enjoyed like a more, a far more quiet Stephen King story in 1922 and there are a lot like of stephen king picks thanks to mac flanagan taking up so many of his screenplays to bring to specifically netflix there are a lot of them but it was undersung it was really not as talked about it's sort of like it made a tiny blip when it was first released and it's been otherwise forgotten about i meant to get to it when it was first released but i wasn't sure what it was about i hadn't read the short story at that point so eh. but yeah i i hope that other people check this out especially if they're a stephen king fan or an older stephen king fan or are enjoying the creep show stuff joe hill and stephen king have been writing a lot of that creep show stuff and if you're enjoying that even though i i don't i'm not really enjoying the creep show show no much i love the no i love the first film and if you think about it the very first creep show film was a joe hill thing too because he played the little boy in the wraparound sequences right And it was very Stephen King-centric, all that. So I love the first and second Creepshow films, but there's only been one or two segments in the now Creepshow that's being offered on Shudder that are enjoyable. The rest of it is just not good to me, but that's my opinion. I don't understand why everyone loves it so much, but I don't understand a lot about people. (laughs) What do we got next for them? Coming up next, we're going to get right back into the splatter and the weirdness and the clown pulls of it all with stitches. We had been requested to do this years ago, like literally years ago, and never got around to it when I was thinking of clown movies to do because I really do love a good clown movie, and getting closer to Halloween, we'll do something super fun. In the meantime, which is stitches, and it's way more scary with a little bit of camp and humor mixed in as well.
0: Nice. I'm very excited to uh, dip my. It won't be a clown Palooza because it's one movie. It's like this Stephen King apalooza. It's a it's a fest. This will be a clown fest. It's like a smaller thing.
1: Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. I'm not sure what we're gonna do for Halloween though. We'll have to discuss that in the meantime.
0: Yeah, we're definitely gonna have to discuss that. Uh, but in the meantime, as you just said, I'm Wes Knight,
1: and I'm typical Lydia. And you've been listening
0: to Dead
1: Air.